I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. This man went down to his house justified. But what does it mean to be justified? In short, it means to be righteous in God's sight. Now, of course, there is not a single human being who has ever lived or will ever live who is righteous in and of himself in God's sight. That is true, of course, save for one, our Lord Jesus Christ. It is the man who confesses that he is a sinner, who ironically, delightfully, wonderfully, is the one who goes home justified. One can glimpse here how it is true that there are only two religions in all the world. The first is the most common of all. In fact, it's the religion found in many Christian churches as well. It is the religion of one's own self-righteousness. Did you live as a good person? Are you at least better than others? Will you make it if God grades on a curve? That is the religion of the world in all its forms. And the only other religion is the pure grace and mercy given to us freely in Christ Jesus. Where when we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So two men went into the temple of God to pray. The first, a Pharisee. The second, a tax collector. The first, the Pharisee, the good person, stands afar off, already indicating by his very posture that he thinks himself to be separate, distinct, unique, and special. And he prays thus, God, I thank you that I'm not like all the other losers out there. He cloaks his own self-righteous arrogance in piety. I thank you, God, that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like that tax collector standing over there. And then this man whips out his spiritual resume. I fast twice a week, and I tithe, that is, I give a full 10% of everything that comes in. The world might look at this and say, here is a good man. Here is a man better than the tax collector, better at least than the extortioners, the unjust, the adulterers, and so on and so forth. But that's not how God sees it. There is a strange phenomenon that those who are self-righteous can attend church simply because it becomes a sacrament of their own superiority to others. 
There's an even deeper irony among those who do not go to church. It is almost always their own self-righteousness that keeps them away. In the words of Gandhi, I love your Christ, but not your Christians. Oh, is that so? So you claim to love the one whom you have not seen, and yet you hate those whom you have seen. It is self-righteousness and a sacrament of self-righteousness to not attend church with all of those wretched sinners. In contrast to the self-righteous Pharisee, the second man, the tax collector, is there in the temple and yet standing a long way off. He will not even lift up his eyes to heaven as he addresses God, rather has them cast downward. He then beats his breast and says and prays this simple prayer, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Jesus says it is that man who goes home justified and not the other. It is that man who is righteous in God's sight. That man, though he stood far off, received the Lord who drew near to him. And though he could not even lift up his eyes to heaven on account of his shame, God looked down upon him in mercy and kindness. That man, far from shining up his resume or polishing his fingernails on his chest, beat his breast, judging himself. And thus God judged him not. As we remember our sins... God forgets them. This man's prayer is a little bit different in the original language than it appears in the English Standard Version, where we simply hear, God be merciful to me, a sinner. But that word that is used for mercy is a theologically freighted word. It's the language of the covering of the ark that was in the holiest of holies in the temple, upon which the blood of the lamb once per year would be poured on Yom Kippur. What that man is saying is not merely have mercy on me, but make atonement for me. Pour out that blood for me by which my sins will be washed away. Do for me that which I cannot do for myself. And again, we see the two religions in the world. One that says it's up to you to offer the right sacrifice or enough sacrifices to be moral or at least more moral than others, to somehow earn, win, or merit your way into being a good person so that God sees you as righteous. 
but precisely as you exalt yourself, does he cast you down and turn away from you. The only other religion is that which is true, to humble oneself, that God might exalt you, to confess one's sins, that he might forgive you, to ask that he would provide atonement. And indeed, that is the very thing that he does. In the most simple, beautiful, and loving act that this world will ever know, God has made atonement for you by becoming as you. He became man in order to bear your sins each and every one of them. And as God, he bears not only your sins, but the sins of the whole world. He answers our prayer for atonement by making that atonement himself. Are you a sinner? Do you have guilt? Do you have shame? God be praised that he's awakened in you a knowledge of your sins. God be praised that through his law and through your conscience, he's brought you to an awareness of guilt and proper experience of shame. Because that is the first step, that he would humble you in order to exalt you. This is he who comes not for the well, but for the sick, not for the righteous, but for sinners. He comes to seek and to save the lost. To bring each and every one of us into the temple. That is, into himself, for he is our temple. And to take the very body which he offered on the cross once and for all. That very body beaten, scourged, nailed to the tree, and to give it to you on your behalf for the atonement of your sins. To take that very blood that was shed by scourge and nail and thorn and spear and to touch that very blood to your lips this day that your sins would be cleansed by nothing less than the very blood of God. You see, to be cleansed by the blood of Christ is not an abstraction. It's not an idea. It's not somewhere out there. We have very real sins, and we need very real atonement. And thus it is the very real body and blood of Christ that are placed into your lips that your sins might be atoned for and that God might see you as righteous on account of Christ, justified in his sight. So lift up your heads, humble yourselves, and you will be exalted Lift up your heads and see the one who has died and who now lives to have mercy on you. 
In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.